Support is provided in part by Conway Shield. Those who answer the call and risk it all for the safety and well-being of others deserve someone willing to give their all in return. Conway Shield is built on the shoulders of three service legacies. Customizing the nation's very best firefighting shields has expanded to providing the most effective technology, tools, and training for today's fire and law leaders. Learn more at ConwayShield.com. Welcome to the Leadership Under Fire, Humanizing the Narrative podcast. In this episode, you'll hear a brief but poignant presentation given by Marine Corps Major Andrew Terrell. This recording took place in Pennsylvania in October 2012 at the first Leadership Under Fire Making Yourself Hard to Kill conference, which paved the way for future Leadership Under Fire conferences and events. The survivor panel, which Terrell contributed to, showcases in a human-centric fashion the personal and professional growth LUF endeavors to facilitate. In the recording, you'll also hear the voice of former fire engineering editor-in-chief Bobby Halton introducing Terrell. Sadly, Halton passed away in December 2022, but his legacy is that of a passionate fire service leader, mentor, and advocate. For an update on Terrell's bio, please visit the episode webpage. If you're interested in attending an upcoming Leadership Under Fire event, please visit leadershipunderfire.com for more information and note that the first LUF National Summit since 2019 will be held on Friday, April 21st, 2023 in Annapolis, Maryland. The LUF Summit is designed for leaders, operators, coaches, counselors, clinicians, and researchers who strive to advance the performance of mission-oriented units and teams in highly competitive and lethal settings. Now, on with this episode. Our next survivor is Captain Andrew Terrell, who was commissioned as a United States Marine Corps officer in 2002. Upon completion of the basic school and infantry officers course, he was assigned to 1st Battalion, 5th Marines as a rifle platoon commander. Andrew has served six combat tours in places that include Baghdad, Iraq, Fallujah, Iraq, Ramadi, Iraq, and now Zad, Afghanistan. He was wounded during the first major battle of Fallujah in 2004 and has been awarded the Bronze Star on three separate occasions. Andrew also completed an exchange tour with the British Royal Marines and is a graduate of the British Royal Commando course. He is a 2002 graduate of Virginia Tech University and the United States Marine Corps Expeditionary Warfare School. Andrew is currently serving as the inspector instructor of Charlie Company, 4th Recon Battalion. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, Captain Andrew Terrell. Gentlemen and uh, ladies, it's an honor to be here. It's not often that I get to be in front of a group that's not Marines, that kind of understands the selflessness that it takes to defend this nation and the, and the people of this nation. So it's a, it's a real honor for me to be here and, and talk to you today. Uh, like was mentioned, um, I'm an active duty infantry officer. I've done six deployments split evenly between Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, most recently, I served as the company commander for Lima Company 3rd Battalion 4th Marines, and I was able to do that for three years. 
which is a, an uncommon privilege. And I did two of my tours to Afghanistan as a company commander. I'm going to deviate slightly from the way that the other gentlemen up here are going to present, because I'm not going to talk to you necessarily about my own specific uh, survival stories. Although, if you do have questions about being wounded by RPG fire in Fallujah or uh, various IED strikes I've been in or anything like that, I'm more than happy to answer those when we get to that part of the presentation. But what I wanted to do was talk about my Marines and our experience and the mentality that it took for these guys to go out on patrol every day, day in, day out, for six and a half months of combat operations in Afghanistan on my most recent tour, which was one of the uh, more difficult ones as far as enemy activity that I've been on. So just to give you a little bit of context about, so I said I was a rifle company commander, what that is, because I know not all of you have served in the military. Uh, a rifle company is a bunch of infantry Marines, and usually there's about 180 of them. But when we deploy, we task organize for the mission and the battle space that we're in. And so for this particular deployment, my company, our mission changed quite a bit, our battle space changed quite a bit. So we usually were in between 280 and 370 Marines, so quite a large group of guys. We were in an area called Hyderabad. It's uh, south of Sengen. So Sengen is a, a town. We were in a rural area south of that town. And it's a lot of farming. It's a lot of poppy cultivation. Uh, and it's mud huts. It's a very, very poor area. So if you just take a look at the pictures as we go through, and then the, there's going to be a couple of videos I'm going to use to highlight uh, some of the things that were important to us while we're on this deployment. So even though we were a big company, most missions were conducted in small groups. So kind of like you have your companies, we go out in squads, generally, for, for the type of area we're in based on the terrain that we were in. And we were dismounted for pretty much all of our missions. A squad is anywhere between 8 and 12 guys. Eight's the minimum that we were allowed to go out with, just for the security requirements of what we were doing. Our mission was to disrupt the enemy's ability to conduct operations to our north, so we were really just there to prevent them from affecting the unit up to our north, who was the, the main effort of the regiment. We did that by conducting patrols, so walking around looking for the enemy. We did that by doing targeted raids, where we knew about uh, either enemy or a, gr a group of weapons, and we'd go try to get those or that guy. And local national engagement. So Jason today talked about counterinsurgency operations. He has a lot of experience in that. That was a big part of what we did to try to stabilize the area. Some of the threats that we would encounter on a daily basis were improvised explosive devices. This was probably the most dangerous because when you're dismounted and you activated an IED, which is essentially a mine, a homemade mine, it's rare that you can get away without being hurt too badly. We had a significant problem with precision small arms or snipers. There was a lot of indirect fire. so. That's like uh, mortars, rockets, or uh, grenade launchers. So even if you're behind a wall or inside your fob, it doesn't matter. These weapons can still come in and hurt you. Small arms ambush, or in a worse day, a combination of two or more of these things, which is very common. All right, I want to give you our casualty numbers just because I want you to understand the danger of the area. Our numbers were significantly less than other units operating in the same environment, in the same region, but they were still significant. 
So during our six and a half months of combat operations, we had 72 Marines that were wounded in action. Of those 72 that were wounded, 19 were very severely wounded and can no longer continue to be Marines. Additionally, we had two Marines that were killed from my company. The battalion had significantly more. So the threat in this area was constant, it was real, and it was very, very deadly. But the Marines understood that we had a, a mission to fulfill, that we had to do our job. If we could just go to the videos real quick. So I've got two videos here that I want to show you. Um, these are IED focused. And what you're going to see here is uh, the first one is a Marine that's going to be executing a clearing technique. So we developed a, a well, we started using a tool that was developed down south. It's just a long stick, and you're going to see a couple different versions. The first one's hard to see, but you'll see the, the long stick there and it has a hook on the end. And we use that to scrape the ground because they bury the, the, the IEDs, the mines essentially are buried in the ground and they do not have any metal in them. So you cannot detect them with a metal detector. They're very, very difficult to find. By scraping the ground, we know if there's one there or not. And so this was a raid that we conducted. And uh, we, we've already secured the compounds. So we went directly in and now we're clearing around it so we have the ability to stay in this compound. So what this Marine's trying to do is clear a path around the building. I'm sorry there's no sound. This video was taken from some distance. Oh, did you guys, did the ID go off there? Oh, yeah, okay. it went off. So what you saw was uh, the Marine doing the technique properly. So you had a guy, he had a short stick. He, cleared, he laid down so you couldn't really see him. He scraped the ground. And those lines that they make on the ground, that's where we walk. This is going to be significant for the next video. So what we do is we usually clear out about a six to eight inch area, so four lines two inches apart, and that's where you're going to walk on because there's no ID there because you've dug up the ground a little bit, right? So you had a Marine use a short stick. He laid down. He reached around the corner, and that allowed the other Marine with the longer stick to come in and reach. He set off the ID. Not a big deal. So it scared him, but it didn't hurt him. He had his PPE on, his personal protective equipment, and he did the technique properly. If you can go ahead and just play the next one. So we've cleared around the compound and we're moving all the Marines. It, what we did was we took uh, several helicopters in, we landed all around this area, uh, and uh, we landed with 96 Marines. And one of the platoons is gonna move in to this compound to occupy it. It's already been cleared. These pathways with those four scrape lines on the ground are out there. And so the Marines are walking on about a six inch path. And what we're going to look for here is the, the very last Marine. He's going to walk up in just a second. Okay, you see the Marine walking up into the picture now? He's got the green backpack with the, the name tape, tan name tape. He just looked back. All right, I, I want you to watch closely what he does. Because we've been out there for about an hour and a half now. It's very, very hot. This is the middle of the summer. This Marine is hot, he's tired, and he is very close to being in what he thinks is a secure building. And he's walking on the six-inch path right now but his helmet's bothering him. So what happened there was uh, that Marine messed with his helmet. He stepped about two inches off that cleared path, and that's where the IED pressure plate was set. Uh, fortunately, this Marine did not die. He did sustain uh, somewhat severe injuries, lost part of his foot, but he's no longer able to remain in the Marine Corps. 
as an infantry Marine. So you can go ahead and just go back to the pictures there. So in this environment, we understood that there's danger out there every day, and it can never be eliminated. There's no way to remove danger from what we do in that environment. It's impossible, but we can mitigate it. Some of the ways that we mitigate that danger is through planning and preparation. The use of our SOPs, the use of uh, our co combat orders. When we go out on a mission, we don't just go out there. We've planned for it, we've prepared for it. We've checked our gear. Training. Training is probably the single most important thing. And this was my second deployment with the same Marine, so I had the opportunity to, to train these guys a lot. And so it, it, it's very difficult for me to watch a Marine make a mistake like that because we knew better. The training needs to be as realistic as possible. And we work very, very hard to do that in all of our training. And then attention to detail and discipline. Those things could have prevented that injury right there. And so of those 19 Marines that were very severely wounded, 11 of those were IED strikes. And of those 11, 10 could have been prevented by not making an error or lapse in judgment. We only had one IED strike that I felt like we did everything correctly and it still happened. Just like we talked about, you can never fully eliminate that danger. Even if you do everything right, somebody's still gonna get hurt. So how do these Marines go out and do this mission on a daily basis? So under, that day, that Marine was injured, he was flown out, and we still stayed down there and operated out of that location for another month. And the, the Marines were in contact every day. Those guys patrolled right out of that door every single day for another month. And then we just took them and moved them to another position. So no one got to come back, no one got to reset. We, had, we were in the fight and we just stayed in it. And that's the way that, that everything uh, is done and has to be done in that environment. So uh, some of the things that help us be able to, to do that every day, say I'm gonna step out the wire with these guys and I'm gonna conduct this mission because it has to be completed. I just mentioned SOPs. And we, we talked about them today in, in a positive context and in, in a negative context. SOPs for us, provide a common understanding, a common language that allow us to increase our speed and tempo. That's their use. They're not a set of rules that you can never deviate from. They're a common language that allows us to increase our speed and tempo. That's what an SOP is for. Or an immediate action drill is another thing that we use that has a similar function. Our Marines have an attitude of accomplish the mission and never quit. So that's, developing that from day one allows them to be able to step out that gate and execute that mission. A combat mentality, like it's been discussed in detail today, and being brilliant in the basics, it's something that we say a lot in the Marine Corps, but we don't always do it. It's something that you have to go back and revisit. Just because you trained in the basics once doesn't mean you don't have to go back constantly and retrain in the basics. And then most importantly, what allows our Marines to step out the gate and execute in this environment daily is taking care of the guy on their left and right and the love that they have for their brothers. And even if you don't like a guy, you know that he's gonna be there for you when you need him. And that's probably the single most important thing. Just a, a 
one more thing that I wanted to talk about because I, I think it's applicable to, to both our jobs is a bias for action. It's something that I talk to my Marines about a lot because when we get in a, a bad situation, that situation is not going to get better unless we do something about it. So if you don't instill a bias for action in yourself and in the people around you, you will be in that bad situation and it will either remain bad or get worse unless you do something to stop it. The last thing I, I wanted to say is I just wanted to remember uh, two of the Marines, their pictures came up. I didn't, I didn't point them out explicitly, but I, the two Marines that I lost, uh, Staff Sergeant Leon Lucas, he was a close friend of mine. Jason Bresler had an opportunity to work with him when we were together in Nowzad on the previous deployment. Uh, he was killed by an uh, underslung grenade or a grenade launcher. And then Corporal Mark Goyette was my other Marine that was killed. He was killed in a small arms ambush. So I just wanted to uh, just take a second to mention them, just, uh, just to remember their sacrifice that they made during this deployment. All right, that's all I have. Thank you. Leadership Under Fire podcast provides a platform that helps to prepare performance leaders to navigate the moral, mental, emotional, intellectual, and physical rigors in high-risk and ultra-competitive settings by developing strength of mind, body, character, and critical thought. For more on this, visit leadershipunderfire.com.